Amen, Lord. Your goodness has followed us all the days of our life. All our lives, you have been so, so good. We think back over the good times and the bad times, and we come out with the same conclusion that you have been so, so good. Things that we thought we'd never get through because of you, we made it through as you carried us on your shoulders. All our lives, you have been so, so good to us, Lord. So your goodness is running after us every day. The one author put it this way, that you're the hound of heaven. You're going to hound us and hound us and hound us till we receive Jesus and the penalty he paid for our sin on the cross. You're not going to let any of us go. You don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And for those of us that said yes to you, Lord, you have been so, so good, and your goodness has followed us all the days of our lives. And you will continue to, because you promised. All your promises are yea and amen. And even theologians can't figure out how many promises there are in the Bible. Some say seven, some say 30, some say 40. Thousands, that is. Your goodness follows after us, and we're so, so glad. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling out our names from heaven. Thank you for hounding us until we said yes to Jesus. And for those out there that didn't say yes to you, Lord, I pray that today they will be the day that they would receive wisdom and realize that this life is temporal. Let them plan for their eternal future as described in this book right here, the Word of God. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Let them hear what you have to say through the power of your Holy Spirit today. Open our eyes, open our ears that we may hear. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Worship's awesome. You know, Matt's a good preacher. He preached the whole sermon for you here. And that's, and I, I, I applaud that. And Lewis does the same thing. You know, it's awesome. You get two sermons in one. You know, it's awesome. Because that's what it's all about. It's about the Word of God. Uh, for those of you who just tuned in, I, I know we got a new audience um, now. And you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on Lantana Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. Um, if you're local, come on by and see us. We're here Sundays at 10. Um, and uh, Saturdays, men, we have a men's group that meets at 9. So come on by and uh, spend some fellowship time with us. We preach the whole Word of God here. We don't hide out from the Scriptures that we don't like. We attempt to tackle them all, and sometimes that gets you in trouble. But that's okay. You know, we, Paul didn't shun back. You know, with, with, uh, he, he just preached the, the plain and the simple gospel. And that's what we try to do here. So Freedom Church, Lord, that's what we're all about. We're a full gospel Bible-believing church. You can go online. You're probably already there, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. Um, you're probably already there. You can see our beliefs. You can find our address. You can see our list of ministries. You can even watch services from like eight, eight years, maybe even nine years back because we've been here nine years at the end of this month. So um, 
You can even donate online to give Lifey. You'll see the Lifey button where you can, can donate. And if not, you can use Zelly. Just go to my email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, and you can donate Zelly if your bank uh, has it for you. Um, let's see. You know, everybody that's here, you know we've never taken an offering in the 11 years that we are existent. Um, and, uh, you know, there's boxes in the back should the Lord lead you to, to give. Listen. For the last several weeks, I spent five weeks in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, last week, we spent some time uh, in, as our new identity in Christ. And these things tie pretty closely together. And even today, you're going to see that they're, they're tied together pretty good. And God's trying to tell us something. Remember, I spent five weeks on the sermon called Priceless. Five weeks in Ephesians chapter 2. And Theron has some papers for you, by the way. He's going to pass them out to you. If you weren't here last week and don't have the flyer, Theron has, has that. And uh, he has an extra flyer because today we're going we're gonna to touch on Psalm 119. It has 176 verses in it. And you know, if I was going to teach verse by verse, we'd get about three of those verses and wouldn't be in that, that uh, book for weeks, maybe even years. But no, I'm going to show you some things, the benefits of, of uh, being a believer, benefits of your new identity in Christ. But remember, I just want to review, because this is important, especially as time goes on in America and in the world, because times are getting very rough. And it's time for people to look up instead of grabbing a shovel and, deep and digging deeper into the, into the earth until they reach the fiery hell that's down there. You need to look up. In Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to see some things line up a little bit with this today. Ephesians chapter 2, I did that message on priceless. Number one, point number one was you are a priceless creation. That flyer was not passed out to you. There are some on the back table if you want it. You are a priceless creation. And remember, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Um, also, point number two, we're not only a priceless creation, we, are a pri we have a priceless covenant. We have a new covenant, not a covenant of death, but a covenant of life in, in the blood of Jesus. But priceless, we also have a priceless cross. This cross is priceless. What Jesus did on the cross is priceless. It's amazing grace. Amazing grace, what the Lord did for us on the cross. And then point number four of priceless was we have a priceless church. Do you realize the church is priceless? What would this world be like if churches didn't exist? Some of them are, are doing great jobs. Some are doing mediocre. Some are doing hardly anything. But it all depends on what, you know, what God wants the church to do and the ministry that he calls it to do. We have a priceless church. You can go to Africa and meet a Christian, and you can have the same foundational beliefs in, in a God that saved us by his grace. You know, we have a priceless cross. That priceless cross, um, you know, it, the Lamb of God died upon it to redeem you from your sins. Then the priceless church, which is the church that, that expresses that. We tell everybody, the church is to tell everybody about the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And we have, number five, we have a priceless citizenship. You, as I said, your visa now reads Kingdom of Heaven, not the United States of America. You know what, the United States of America, I'm proud to have my passport stamped America, but I'm even more proud to have it stamped the Kingdom of Heaven. You are a, a, a priceless citizen of, the, of heaven. The, the heaven that people that even died and came back cannot describe to you. What the Bible says that the eye hasn't seen, the ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You know, we have a priceless citizenship. You are going to close your eyes here and you're going to open them up there and you're going to be looking, I have no doubt in this, the face of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. He's coming to get you. He's coming. There's probably going to be some angels with him. I know people that died, they saw angels. You know what? He's probably going to see some angels with him. He's always escorted by his glorious angels. That his illumination just uh, glorifies those angels because they're in his presence. Moses went up to the mount, to the Mount Sinai. He came down there to cover his face with a veil because his face just glowed because he was in the presence of Almighty God. And when the glorious fire fell down from heaven, you know, even the temple glowed. They couldn't even look at the temple, and the mountain was full of fire. Listen, we have a, a priceless um, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to go from this earth that is really beautiful when you think about it, but it's nothing compared to the kingdom of heaven. So the, this is, is an encouragement to the saints. I think we all need some encouragement, but don't get your head so big that you aren't out there doing the gospel. You're just, you know, moseying around as a Christian and showing up in church on Sunday. Do missions trips. Preach Bible studies. I was telling the men's group yesterday, you know, when I was a pastor at a mega church over the road here, you know, I, I ran off. I taught two-hour lecture classes for fall semester and winter semester and all those things, two-hour lecture classes, and I passed out papers that thick as we went through the book of Genesis, as we went through the book of Acts, as we went through the book of John, and as we went through the book of Matthew, verse by verse. You got stacks like that, and that's something that you can take and teach to the world. You know, my generation is almost out of this earth, but there's a lot of younger people out here that have a whole... 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 years ahead of them to preach the gospel. We cannot be silenced about this cross. We cannot be silenced. You're going to close your eyes. You're going to be looking at Jesus. And I had a vision one time of that. I closed my eyes because the death spirit was haunting me. And I closed my eyes. And then I opened them up. And, and there was Jesus looking at me. I can't describe them. Don't even ask me. All I know is it was Jesus. Because, boy, you know, that devil, that death spirit from hell, he flew out like a bat out of hell. When I came back and my faith had gone from this much to... Listen, we have a priceless church 
It's time, really, that the church gets together and supports other little churches or other bigger churches with the gifts that are operating within those different uh, churches. We have a priceless citizenship. You and I, I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Roman Catholic, you know, um, Independent Assembly of God, you're a, a church like us, non-denominational. You know, I don't care if you believe that Jesus came, he died, he's buried, and he is risen third day according to the scriptures. You and I are commonly bond. But then we fight over, and I believe denominations are demonic. Because the devil can't divide, he has to divide the church. But Ephesians 2, when we study it, Jesus brought the two and made them one. He took the Jews and the Gentiles that now became Christians and he made them one. Ephesians 2. We and you are one. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 7. I just quoted you. And then it goes on about the disciples saw him, the women saw him, you know, um, you know, 500 people that are mostly alive at the time that book was written, the Corinthians was written, had seen him, and some had been sent, some have already gone home. And then Paul says, and me, unlikely born, I saw him. You know, we have a great crowd of witnesses that this is real and it is true. So last week, we moved from the priceless, a priceless uh, cross and citizenship and Priceless, you know, priceless creation. We move in the priceless church and priceless cross. We move to our new identity. And I think I went through like 14 points of our new identity. I'm going to go through them real quickly. And there was two categories. Category number one was who you are in Christ. That's on the flyer that you just got. Who are you in Christ? And then point number two is we now have a new relationship with sin and flesh. I'm going to go through these real quick. Then we're going to get on to our third point that we didn't have time for last week. And it is, it's this. It's our new position. <laughs> your, your new position, we're going to see that. Okay, who are you in Christ? I showed you last week. You have peace with God in Christ. You are now not an enemy of God. You've received his son Jesus as your savior, and you are not an enemy of God at this point. So you have peace with God. He is the prince of peace. It's described in Isaiah chapter 7. He's the prince of peace. Mighty God, everlasting father. You know what, in that point number two, in Christ you have a right standing with God. You can stand right before God. You can come right to his throne in this natural world. You can, you can go from what the Jews had, the temple, the Holy of Holies, was where God was and the Ark of the Covenant was back there. And then there was a curtain and then the holy place. Well, when Jesus died, you remember that curtain was torn from top to bottom. And that was saying, he'll go. you know what God was saying? You don't need the priest anymore to come here and offer sacrifices once a year. You just believe in me who sacrificed my blood for you. And you can come right through the holy place, into the holy of holies, through the split curtain, because Christ opened the way for you and for me. You are in right standing with God. 
We could go right before God as we were worshiping here. And Matt did a great job. We can go right before God in our worship. I told Liz just the other day, in this church, we used to put air fresheners in the plug-in thing. I haven't done it for about a year and a half. I walk into this place, and I smell a pleasant aroma. I do. And I, I, I can only say to Liz, I think it's an aroma that God puts in here. Just because we're a small church doesn't mean that we are a strong or powerful church. So get that through our head. You know what? God chose 12 misfits to change the world. And they, the Bible says in Acts that they turned the world upside down. And there's more than 12 people here. You're in right standing with God. You know what? Who are you in Christ? You have been adopted. You have been adopted by God, not the President of the United States, not the Prime Minister of England. You have been adopted by God. You are a child of God. That is who you are in Christ. That means you can go up to him and say, Daddy, Daddy, help. Daddy, I need this. Daddy. Daddy, Daddy, just like you would in a, your earthly father. In Christ, you are adopted. In Christ, you are chosen. God chose you. Of all of the, that's why Paul was trying to drive across. Even me, he would choose me. I, I sing that a, a lot. I say that a lot. You would choose me to serve you. And he does. He chose, chose all of you. Now, what, what else? You're predestined. And I mentioned last week, everybody gets so hung up on that predestined that you were predestined to be saved. No. Here's, here's predestined. It's simpler than you think. God is only prophesying what he already knows. He's chosen everybody. He wishes that none would perish and all would come to repentance. But he knows the end of my life and your life. And he's just prophesying what he already knows. He knows that Matt was going to come to know Jesus as his Savior. He knew that of Anya and Karen. He knew that you were going to accept Jesus as your as his Savior, and he's just prophesying what he already knows, and people call it predestination. It is so simple. Same thing with the, with the impartable sin. It's so simple. You reject Jesus by the time you're dead, you're going to hell. That's it. He's the hound of heaven. We sang it today. His goodness comes after me. He chases you down to the last breath, and I've been with people who were on their last breath, and I've been preaching to them. He'll chase you down. You know why? Because he loves you so much. So much. So don't get all hung up on a predestination. All these denominations come up with those things, and they separate this church from that church. And before you know it, you know, you go into the mission fields, and you're supposed to be helping one another. Instead, they're buttonheads. No, we have a common bond, Jesus Christ. He's the foundational stone of every Christian church that believes. In Christ, you're reclaimed. He claimed you. Through the blood, you've been redeemed. In Christ, you were brought near to God. You were far away. You were an enemy of God. Now, now you're, you're right with him. You're brought near to him. 
Number eight, you now f- have friendly relationships with God. You can actually, I sit in this chair a lot sometimes praying right there, and I could talk, I talk to God like he's my best friend. And some of the things I tell him, I would never tell you. I wouldn't. And I can tell him because he's my best friend. I think it's Psalm or 28 or 31 or is it Proverbs 28. You know, he says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Point number two here, we now have a new relationship with sin and flesh. So number nine on your chart is now we have freedom from sin's power. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with with my mind, but with my flesh I serve sin. You know we, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about that struggle. The Galatians 5.17, the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit wars against the flesh, so that you don't do what you want to do. Because this flesh wants to gravitate towards dirt and sin. But the Holy Spirit's there fighting, disagreeing with him and trying to draw you back. And it's up to you to tell your spirit man to submit to the soul man because you're a triune being. Once you get saved... The flesh man is fighting the, 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 the spirit man. And once you get saved, your spirit man comes alive and he butts head with that, that flesh spirit all the time and hopefully drives out the flesh and that way you can per, be more spiritual, I guess you could say. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? Well, we only know that there's only one deliverer, Jesus Christ. All through the Old Testament, three over 300 prophecies pointing to one man in exact detail. We now have, we're now free from condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You go out and sin, the devil's going to try to condemn you, and God's going to, God is just going to convict you so that you can turn away from your sin. Point number 11, now you. Now you're free from sin and death, you know, because you believe in Christ, because you have a new relationship with God, you are free from death. We're not talking about physical death here. We're talking about spiritual death. These bodies are going to die. They were not made to be in the presence of Almighty God. These bodies are perishable, and they must be made imperishable. Therefore, the, the carnal flesh has to die, and the, the spiritual man needs to come alive. And he will come alive because Jesus conquered death. You remember Genesis 3.15 where God talked to Satan and said, Satan, you will bruise his heel, but he, the seed of the woman will bruise your heel, but he, he will crush your skull. Point number, that's the first prophecy pointing to Messiah in the Old Testament. Point number two again, you have a new relationship with God. You, ha- you have now no obligation to sin. Here's what Romans 6, 1, 11 says. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. 
You've got to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God because you are a spiritual being. Now, your eternity started the day you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Your visa changed, remember? Your visa changed. You are now a citizen of heaven. You live in a fallen world, and we don't like what's happening in this world. It's time for us, the church, to step up and do what needs to be done. Not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ anymore. I tell everybody, and you've heard me say it if you've been part of this church, people, you sneeze and somebody says, God bless you. Next time somebody sneezes, say, God bless you in Jesus' name and see how they react. Because now you just identified God. And those that don't know God or don't know Jesus will be offended. But in the name of Jesus... Your circumstances can change. You can be healed in the name of Jesus. You can be delivered in the name of Jesus. You can be saved by the name of Jesus. The devil doesn't want the name of Jesus out there unless you're cursing his name. Why don't they say, oh, Buddha, oh, Muhammad, oh, Allah? No, but they say, oh, JC. Oh, that drives me crazy. You have a new relationship with the flesh. You're no, uh, no obligation to sin. Your spirit man is saying, Joe, don't. Joe, don't. Joe, don't. You now have no obligation to the flesh either. Because Colossians 2.11 says this, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And I always tell everybody, again, that circumcision is very simple. It means cutting away of the flesh. What God is saying here through Paul is you cut away your flesh since you are now a spiritual being. In other words, get rid of the flesh, the one that desires the alcohol, the drugs, the narcotics, you know, the taking of the names of the Lord's name in vain, the women, the lust, you name it. You're under no obligation because the Spirit of God is fighting you all the way. Point number three, which I didn't get to last week, is we now have a new position. Our position is grace. You know, you know the acrostic for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. You are rich because of Christ, not because of you. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says this, If I give to God, if I give thanks to my God always, for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Jesus Christ. We have all been given grace. We, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to be saved. But God says, I'm going to save them anyway. I'm going to give them an opportunity to be saved. And he has. He's given us that opportunity, and it's called grace. By grace, you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Again, gift does means that you don't have to do anything. Not as a result of the works that you have done. It's a gift. A gift is a gift. You don't have to pay anybody for it. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. He gives you grace as a gift. Point number 15 was our new study. The the. You're on the page, of the one with the double column, the first sheet that was given to you. You know, 
You were called to be free and to serve. You've been called to be free and to serve. And this is 1 Corinthians 7, 22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freedman. You're free. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. You have been freed from sin, but you're now Christ's servant. You're freed, but you're a servant of God. That's why we, we go out and we try to do good things. That's why Jesus told us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Point number 16, we are marked by the Holy Spirit. You're sealed for the day of redemption by the promised Holy Spirit. When God seals you, you are sealed. You got to make sure, and that borders on, well, once saved, always saved. You know, and I always tell you, once saved, always saved, if you were saved in the first place. A lot of people have the head knowledge and not the heart knowledge. And they miss heaven by that 18 inches between here and here. And I don't know if the people over the internet understand that, but that's the truth. You know, even magnetic north, God's showing you, even on earthly things, magnetic north, when you take a compass and you want to head north, to, to you're, you're heading to magnetic north, not true north. So by the time you get up to the North Pole, you are 1,300 miles away from true north. What's the difference if you miss heaven by 18 inches or 1,300 miles? True north and magnetic north are different. True north is not Allah. True north is not Buddha. True north is not Muhammad. Truth north is not Harry Krishna. Truth north is Jesus Christ and him alone. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And he said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you're saying he, he, there's another way to heaven, you just called Jesus a liar. And if he's a liar, he can't be God. And you know he's not a liar. Where's the followers of Muhammad today? Not Muhammad, but uh, Caesar. Where's the followers of Alexander the Great? They're no more. No, followers of Jesus Christ who never picked up a sword. We are now a new position. You're positioned in a heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, which we studied in the priceless study. Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How are you going to get to those heavenly places? Through Christ Jesus. That's it. And in, in heaven, when we get there, believe me, people think, I, I've heard people even say this, even Christians, I don't know if I want to worship God forever. You think God's going to make allow you to worship him forever? He has an assignment for you to do up there, just as he does down here for you, and you're still going to worship him in that assignment. You're not going to sit up there and twiddle your thumbs and sing praises to him. In your heart, you're going to be praising him, but you have an assignment to do, and I don't know what it's going to be. You might be the caretaker of Mars. I don't know. Matt said it in his song. He, he put the stars in the sky, and he knows them all by names, and scientists estimate the stars in the sky to be 10 to the 28th power. So you take 10 and write 28 zeros behind it, and you tell me what number that is. It's, it's probably indescribable. It's, it's more than zillionaire or billionaire or trillionaire or, or quadrillionaire. It's something that men can't even fathom. 
In Christ you have been transformed into His image. Do you realize that? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, you are God's children now, and what will we will be has not yet appeared. That's it. Hey, what is he telling you there? I know how to be... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. Below, we are... Beloved, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet appeared. You don't know what you're going to be. You don't know what God's going to call you to. But listen to the next part of that verse. But we know that when He appears, you shall be like Him, because you'll see Him just as He is. So when He prepares to you, you're going to be just like Him. You know, that, that speaks to the rapture, too. Because he's going to come back. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll ever be with, with the Lord. That speaks to that. It's, that's called the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And even Corinthians. Listen, it's talking about the rapture. When he comes back in the rapture, we are going to be made like him. And we're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Just like that. These perishable bodies, which I was talking about earlier, will put on imperishable. And those that are raptured will never physically die. But the dead in Christ, they're coming back with Jesus. It's written in those verses. He shall come again with his army. And, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That means their literal bodies will be transformed and united with their spirits that are with God in heaven. It's simpler than you think. It's easy. Just like Jesus in the tomb. He's in the tomb for three days and three nights. But we know from Scripture, he wasn't just laying there and, and resting there for three days. He was out leading the ones that were in bondage in Abraham's bosom. He was leading them back to God and to open up the kingdom of heaven. And you know that thief on the cross? He said today, Jesus, you know, he acknowledged Jesus, and Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had the thief with him too. The thief probably went down to, the, to, to Abraham's bosom because that's where he would really go. Jesus preached to them. He brought them back. He led, them, he led the captives, captives into the kingdom of heaven. I think that's Ephesians 4. He led them captives. See, Jesus was... His body was dead in the, in the tomb, but he was alive and well, wasn't he? And so will you be. Those bodies of my parents are dead. Their bodies are in the grave. But you know what? It's nothing for God. I mean, they're, they're with God right now. There's no doubt about it. And when they, the Lord comes back, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, my mom and dad's bodies are going to be reunited with their spirit. And thus we'll ever be with the Lord. And I'll be changed if it happens in my lifetime, the rapture. I'll be changed and I'll be seeing mom and dad in heaven. And I believe the first thing you'll see, first place you're going to go is Jesus, I guarantee you. Because you're going to realize, really, for the first time, we're going to really realize what he did for us. You'll be transformed into his image. 1 John 3, 2, that is. And you can back that up with Philippians 4, 12. And 13, and I won't go there because we don't run out of time. Um, number 19, in Christ, your position to have a victory, to have victory over death. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, I just quoted it. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. My mom and dad will be with Jesus if the rapture comes in my lifetime. And and he's going to bring with him my mom and dad. And the the dead in Christ are going to rise. There it is. It's simpler than we think. People make it so hard. The Bible is so simple, a five-year-old can understand it, but yet so deep the scholar can't touch bottom. That's the way the scriptures are. You want to swim in puddles, church? Swim in puddles. God says, study and show myself approved unto him as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, who handles accurately the word of truth. He doesn't expect you to twiddle your thumbs. He expects you to get out there and be busy and study the word of God so that you don't fall off into some rabbit trail with the devil. You've got to read the word of God. Any pastor can lead a whole congregation to sl- uh, uh, sl- um, away and lead them in the wrong direction. Any pastor can do that if you're not reading your Bible. You're reading your Bible, you're going to say, I'm out of here. This isn't right. So, in Christ you have victory over death. You know, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have the victory. Romans tells us, Paul, as he wrote to Romans 8.37, he says, in all these things... We are more than a conqueror. People say to me, why more than a conqueror? Well, Jesus conquered, and because you believe in him, you are more than a conqueror. Because he brought you with him into that victory that he has. Number 20, you have been forgiven. You have entered into a position of forgiveness. That means no matter what you did in your lifetime, God has forgiven you. And as I said one time, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and he posts a sign there that says, no fishing, you're done. It's gone. You sinned when you were 15 years old and you came to know Jesus as your Savior and you say, God, remember when I did that? He say, what? I don't remember. Why? Because he threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember your sins anymore. As I tell everybody, one thing God can't do He cannot see your sin through the blood of his son that covers you. He chooses to do that because he loves you so much. You have been forgiven. You are in a position of forgiveness. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. Let me read this. Beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You have been forgiven. I sat in a seat. While Matt was worshiping, I'm I'm praising the Lord over here sitting in a seat and the devil's throwing all these things that I did in the the past. And I had to fight the devil sitting right there in a seat because I know that that what he was telling me is not true. God forgave me for those things. Even if I did them last week, they're gone. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. And the verb tense there is continually wash over your sins. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to continually wash your sins away. Continually. Otherwise, you better die the moment you accept Jesus because you're going to sin probably in the next 30 seconds. 
maybe a thought. See, God continually washes your sins away because Jesus died once for all, the just for the unjust, in order to bring you to God. Because we are natural sinners. We just sin because we feel like it sometimes. Sometimes it's direct disobedience to the Holy Spirit. But we gravitate towards sin. It's, it's terrible. But when we get to heaven, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Our, our, our allegiance is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Number 21, we have eternal life. The wages of your sin is what? Physical death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not, not Muda, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Allah, not Hare Krishna. You know, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, it's narrow, yes. People tell you all the time that's a narrow way, but Jesus said the way is narrow. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said the way is narrow that leads to life, and few there are that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. So it is a narrow way. But it's the true way and it's the only way to get to the kingdom of heaven. See, once you were dead, once you walked like the world, once you were a child of wrath, once you conducted yourselves in lust, once you were far off, aren't you glad what he did for us? Aren't you glad? You're a believer. If any of you out there, out here, want to become a believer, all you got to do is receive Christ as your Savior with your whole heart. Otherwise, you're going to hit magnetic north instead of true north. So you need to bow your head and before Christ with your whole heart. Pray and receive him as your Savior and ask him to wash your sins away. And he will give you the Holy Spirit and he will help you to to be victorious in this world. And he will help you become a believer that wants to help others instead of destroy others. I didn't want to end there, so I thought, we got another 10 minutes. I, I want, I'm going to go through some verses in Psalm 119. Like I said, it has 176 verses in it. But I'm going to show you some things I call these benefits, and that's the second sheet that you got, benefits of our new identity. Bene benefits of our new identity. Number one, in verse two and three, there's 20 benefits here, 20 benefits. Verse number two and three, those who keep his testimonies do no iniquity. I think that plays on two parts. Those who, who follow God, they do no iniquity um, purposefully. Or they do no iniquity because the blood of Jesus continually washes the sin away. And that doesn't give you the right to go out and keep on sinning. No way. Paul addresses that in Romans 6 and 7 and 8. Here's, here's, Psalm, here's Psalm 119, 2 and 3. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart, not a head. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. So because you're a Savior in Jesus, you, or Jesus is your Savior, you have a benefit 
you know, you walk in his ways. And because the blood of Christ continually washes your sins away, you actually do no iniquity. But don't go out and, you know, sin so that you can go on. I don't believe people that do that are really saved. I believe you'll be so far under conviction. You might be a, you might be a, it might be a drug where it's addictive, and you might have to fight that and be even delivered from that. But you know, it, it's it's something that there there's some things that you aren't instantaneously delivered from, and some are, and some are. Verse six of Psalm one nineteen: Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So verse number six, his statutes prevent you from being ashamed. If you obey his commandments, you're not ashamed. If you disobey, guess what? You're ashamed. That's why you have to confess your sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Because you're ashamed that you sinned. I know I am. Now, Psalm number, point number three, Psalm 119.9. His word cleanses. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By doing it according to his word. How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the word of God. So all you young people out there, whether you're 2 or 172, because your eternity is just beginning. So, listen, how does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to to the word of God. That's how you cleanse your ways. Number four of 20 benefits. His statutes prevent sin. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's talking about memorization. You hide the word of God in your heart. And then when an opportunity comes to sin, the, your heart knows what's not right and you reject it. You should reject it anyhow. You hide the word of God in your heart so that when sin comes against it, you might not sin against God. So, point number five, benefits of, his, uh, of our new identity. His testimonies bring delight. Psalm 119, 24. His testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. So there's two points in here. Thy testimonies also are my counselors. So we see in that verse that his testimony should be our delight and his and his, his uh, testimonies are counsel to him. Okay? I think of I think it was oh gee, Jeremiah when they cleaned out the temple of all the, the sin and depravity that was going on over the years. Jeremiah said this. He said, he said, your words have been found, and I did eat them, and they became the delight of my heart. Your words were found. They finally found the book of the law in the temple because it was hidden by all the sin and muck of the false priests. He said, well, I found your word, and I did eat it. In other words, I memorized it. I, I kept thinking about it, meditating on it, and it became the delight of my heart. 
You know, Psalm 37, 5 is always taken out of context a lot. Psalm 37, 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I've heard Christians over the years, yeah, I always wanted a mansion on the beach. I would just pray for that. Well, listen. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's talking about his desires will be built up in you. His desire for you may not be to have a mansion on the French Riviera. Or yours is. So that verse is taken out of context a lot. If you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And you know what your desires should be? That souls be one into the kingdom of God. Because whether they live one year or 167 years, God wants them saved. All there is to it. Okay, we better move along. Uh, verse num point number seven: His word revives my soul, cleaves unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. In other words, give me life according to your word. In other words, I don't want to live by my standards anymore. I want to live by your standards, God. That's a benefit. Number eight. His word strengthens you. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. This word strengthens you. Read the word and it will strengthen you, give you strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. His word strengthens. His word, number nine, keeps us from selfish gain. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. His word brings salvation, Psalm 119.41. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Number 11, his word causes me to speak truth. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. You want to speak truth out of your mouth all the time. Verse uh, 50, the, his word gives comfort in affliction. In affliction. So when you're being afflicted or being attacked, you can go to God and he'll comfort you. He's your rock. He's your fortress. He's your hiding place. His, not, his, words, his word statues can be a song. What do you think Psalms is? David is writing Psalms. These are all songs in the Bible. Some were written by, most were written by David, but not all of them. You know, the word of God is your song. When I get into a bad, bad place, I always look for praise and worship songs. I do. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. Um, his word keeps you from straying. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. So if you keep his word, your chances are likely of not being disciplined are, are greater. If you just keep his word, the discipline will, will ultimately disappear. His word brings hope. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I, I have hoped in your word. Your word brings hope to us. His commandments give understanding. Point number 16. Thy hands 
have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. What good is knowledge without understanding? What good is understanding without knowledge? They work together. Okay, his word brings hope. We did that one. His, his word keeps me from falling into the enemy's traps. How do you like that one? You obey God's word and you'll, you won't fall into the enemy's traps. The wicked have laid a snare for you, Christian. You can read that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 also, verse 24 through 26. The Lord's bond servant will not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perchance God should grant them repentance, and they shall uh, be released from the snare of the devil, having been held by the devil to do the devil's will. See, the word of God keeps you from, from falling into the enemy traps. Proverbs tells you this, that the enemy dug a ditch for me, but he'll fall into it himself. So the enemy throws a curse at you, he's going to fall into it himself. You just quote the word of God, you know. God turns curses into blessings. You can find that in Nehemiah 13, 2, where Balaam tried to curse Israel, and all come out of his mouth was blessings. Listen, God's word is so beautiful. How does a young man keep his way pure? Keep it according to the word of God. Not the world, the word of God. The word keeps you from falling in the enemy's trap. Two more. His word is your hiding place and your shield. The shield of faith. Remember that? You quote the scripture. What did Jesus do in the, in the, in the wilderness when the devil came against him? He said, turn, you, turn this, uh, you turn this rocks into bread and you can have something to eat. And Jesus said, you know, he said, he said, it is written. Shield of faith. It is written. Go away, Satan. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Okay, for the last point, 20, his word brings peace. Great peace, Psalm 165. Great peace have they which love the law, and nothing shall offend them. If you love the law, love the law of God, love the Bible, basically, you know, you, you know nothing will offend you. So anyway, these studies all tie together. I didn't notice it when I was putting it together, but as we studied, I thought, you know, we're going to, there's some deep stuff in here. You could take this stuff and teach a Bible study in your home. A lot of Spurgeon's quotes were put together by his wife after he passed. What I'm saying is, you know, what, what I'm saying is the Word of God should be your priority. Let's close in prayer. And that goes for you over the internet. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please do so with a whole heart, not a head heart, not a head knowledge, but with a whole heart. Don't say, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus died, was buried, rose again the third day. No, no. I believe, Lord. I really believe. I believe Jesus died for me. Your tears flowing down your eyes sometimes. I believe he did that for me. And I want him as my Savior, and I want to live from Him at this point, from this point on. And I want to serve Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Give me your Holy Spirit to do so. I confess my sins, and I turn away from them in repentance. That's all you got to say with a whole heart. Something like that. You don't need specific words. God knows what your heart's saying. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name for all that we've learned here today and heard here today. 
May you be glorified as we go from this place. Lord, so many scriptures went out here today. You could take any one of them and you could, could speak to any person here today or over the internet and, and, and guide their life in your direction. May it be done as your Holy Spirit opens our hearts, our minds, and our ears to your gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Tune in next week, 10 a.m.